You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the bottom of the hour, uh, the host of Blair and Barker on the radio and television network on Sportsnet, Jeff Blair, will join us. Ugh, Blue Jays done after that just stupid loss yesterday to the Minnesota Twins. But joining us on the line right now, courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza, brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza, pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, CBS Sports, and Westwood One. Good morning, Ross. How are you? Good, but I already have a bunch of questions. You guys ready? Yep, 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 yep. I love this. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, mm-hmm. what's o- where is Okadoke? Okotoks. South of the city. Just outside. Okotoks. Yep. Okotoks. Interesting. All right. And then tell me about this house of pizza, because we talked about it before, but I need to, like, it sounds amazing. So um, that's a great question. I think Tom's House of Pizza should send us some pizza. Well, they're a, they're a regular at the Pizza Pig Out, which is coming up pretty quickly. Here. Right. But uh, they should send us some pizza, and then we should sample some and then tell you about it. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, or they can just, it's probably, I mean, they could ship it to Pennsylvania. Yep. I mean, if they're going to sponsor this segment, I feel like I feel like maybe we should I should at least be able to give them a proper endorsement. It sounds amazing. Tom's yep. House of Pizza. Yep. Sounds delicious. And I bet you they have some good adult beverages there as well. Um, probably. Uh, I haven't been. Now I have to partake. Uh, you can check out their website. They got videos of how they make all their pizzas. Oh. Mhm. That's cool. Ross most uh most overrated pizza topping. Well, uh, this is pretty obvious. Mushrooms. Oh, okay. A lot of people Agreed. like mushrooms on their pizza. Right. I, I just don't get it. Like, why would you put mushrooms on there when you could put pepperoni or ham or sausage? That's a good. That's a good call. Mushrooms are like mushrooms are like little squishy. I don't know. It's like it, it's like putting. Oh, it's like, some people put anchovies on their pizza. It's the same thing. I go, you're ruining the pizza when you do that. Strictly filler. You want mine, Ross? Yeah, sure. Tomatoes. Mm. It's tomato sauce. Why do you need to put tomatoes on top of your pizza? That makes me angry. Hmm. I never even knew that anybody did that. Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while. People put tomatoes as a topping on their tomato sauce pizza? Yep. Veggie pizza. They you put tomatoes be, on top. You know what I think you guys should do? What's that? To differentiate yourselves? What's that? I think you should call your show The Little Show. Yep. Uh-huh. I didn't come I, up with the I name. I do radio hits all over the country. Yep. And there's a lot of big shows. <laughs> yeah, right? like, I know. Welcome to The Big Show. It's The Big Show with Russick and Rose. I just feel like somebody needs to really go the other direction. Be like, yeah. it's the tiny show. Yeah. It's the it, it's. The minuscule show. show the minuscule mm. show. Yeah, miniature. Hmm. We can workshop it. I like it. To yeah. Think about. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't our call, Ross. You put it's it on just, the whiteboard, GVP. Yeah, they uh, they told us, hey, this is what we're calling your show. I'm like, all right. 
Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't really my call. I wasn't the hugest fan. He also wasn't happy they put my name in it, but that's fine. No, no, no. That was, that's, not, <laughs> that, that's not true. Um, it should be the George Russick Show featuring Matt Rose. Um, Ross, tell me, give me a good reason why I should get excited for tonight's game. I'm calling it. Okay, that's that's good. That's fair. Yeah, I'll be driving down. Uh, I'll be driving down later. Yep. It's um, uh, it's my old stomping ground. I mean, I started my career there and finished my career there. It's an NFL game. It's on TV and on the radio. Yep. So hopefully you guys are listening. By the way, my call now is available um, on uh, NFL Plus. Oh, so you can listen to the game. You know, you can listen to our call. Myself and I and Eagle. So it uh, it should be a lot of fun. As for the game itself, listen, you got two young quarterbacks, probably coming off their best games ever. I yep. mean. Fields was awesome against the Broncos, which I think is highly encouraging for them moving forward. They needed that. And then for the commanders, Sam Howe, you know, I I always say, okay, that you don't learn about a quarterback in the NFL until you see how they bounce back from a terrible game, right? Like, and I've had quarterbacks tell me that. You got to wait till the guy, the young guy, throws three or four picks. The team loses by a lot. It's his fault. Well, how did that against the Bills? And then he came back and played really, really well against the Eagles. They didn't end up winning the game, but he was awesome in that game, even though he was under duress. Led them down for the game tying touchdown. I mean, I, I thought it was. Highly encouraging if you're a Washington football fan. Ross, what kind of day is Chase Young, Montez Sweat? What kind of day are they going to have uh, tonight? Well, they better have a good game, and they should. I mean, they're, they're very, very good. John and Allen, Deron Payne, the whole group, and that's what you need to have happen, right? I mean, you need to have guys get pressure on Justin Fields, make them uncomfortable. Obviously, the Bears will be doing the opposite. They'll be trying to do things to make Justin feel comfortable in the pocket as much as they possibly can. They did a lot of bootlegs, a lot of play action last week, and that and that worked. You know, that was good for him. That's what they kind of needed. So, um, the goal or the hope is that they're able to do to do more of that, um, do more of that this week. Ross, I wanted to uh, ask you about something that happened last week. Uh, We have seen, as it has been called, the brotherly shove around the NFL. It's primarily around the Eagles, who you obviously cover a lot. But other teams tried it this past weekend, and other teams failed at it. Why did they fail at it? Uh, Several things, several reasons. Number one is, you know, I don't think people understand the left side of the Eagles' offensive line in particular with Landon Dickerson, he's all of 350. My lot is all of 380. Oh my god! It's the oh biggest man. side of a line in in the sport of football, and those guys are young, in their prime, and they're just people movers. I mean, you watch them play, and they are absolute people movers, and so that's a big part of it for me. And then they got a quarterback that's really strong. 
I mean, he squats 600 pounds. He's very physical and has a powerful lower body. And I just think that they spent a lot of time on it, and they know the best way to execute it. I think these other teams think, oh, all you need to do is run a quarterback sneak and have guys behind them to push. But the Eagles, I think, make it look a lot easier than it really is. At 4-0, and I know they're still 4-0, and but it doesn't feel like it's an impressive 4-0, which sounds weird, but... Mm. Uh, is the offense, you know, it's starting to wake up a little bit. A.J. Brown had a big game, obviously, on Sunday. Is, is, this, is this a good sign for the Eagles that they're 4-0 and they have yet to play their best football? Or with 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 Shane Steichen gone, is this offense going to start to click here as the season moves along? What's your read on their offense? Well, I certainly think it's a good sign that they've played that well um, and won four games without – really looking like they're fully clicking. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they had a couple games where they ran for over 200 yards. Yeah. You know, this last game, Hurts totally lit up the commanders. I mean, they don't have both things clicking at the same time. But what they've shown is that if you're going to if you're gonna play them a, a certain way, you're going to play them to stop the explosive plays, well, then they can just run it right down your throat. Yeah. If you're going to play them to – you know, stop the run, then they'll throw the ball over your head like they did with A.J. Brown this last game. So it's kind of a pick your poison right now when you play against them. Is it them and the Niners in the NFC and then it's not even really close who the third best team is? No, I don't think so. I I think that the Cowboys, Lions, Mm. and Seahawks are all Mm. very competitive and it wouldn't shock me if any of them ended up you know, going a long way in the postseason, maybe even getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, is, uh, and just real quick on the Seahawks, um, is that maybe the most surprising thing ever, that maybe the best thing for that organization was to trade Russell Wilson? Well, it's certainly surprising that they made the playoffs last year. I mean, I, I said it this week, other places, I thought it was the best uh, by far coaching job probably a Pete Carroll's career. It's just amazing. I mean, it's really, really amazing that they were able to get done what they got done in that game and uh, in that season. I mean, they're starting two rookies at offensive tackle and Geno Smith, a quarterback. I mean, I thought this is going to be an absolute disaster. And yet, boom, they went out and they were able to play very, very well and make the playoffs. It was really, really impressive. And I feel that they're even better this year especially with those rookies they got. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba isn't even doing much, but what they've been able to do with Devin Witherspoon, this rookie corner looks outstanding. Ross, it sounds like Joe Burrow's feeling better this week with the calf. That's what he and Zach Taylor have told the media. What's the best course of action here for the Bengals for the next little bit dealing with his injury? I believe they got the bye in week seven. Yeah, I mean, I think they just got to hope that he said it felt better after the last game. He didn't aggravate it. I don't think they're going to win a game if he doesn't play. And if he doesn't play, I think um, I think that's a problem. And, and, and they, they would lose. And so I think they just got to try to get through these next couple of weeks, hopefully win at least one of these next two games, and then get to the bye. Is Jamar Chase always open? <laughs> No. <laughs> but he said he was. 
Uh, I know. <laughs> Those guys always think they're open because they always think even if they're not open that they can catch it. How much worse is that offensive line this year than last year? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think they're about the same, actually. I think they weren't great, especially early last year as well. And they kind of got better as it went. Ross Tucker, NFL on CBS, Westwood One, Ross Tucker Podcast, joining us here on the Tom's House of Pizza guest line, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960, The Fan. Um, Were we all sleeping on the Buffalo Bills, or it's way too early to get back on the Bills hype train? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, they're three and one after four games, probably about what I thought they would be. Okay. And they, they lost the game that they shouldn't have. I mean, they lost the game to the jets in which Aaron Rodgers got on like the third play. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like that's a bad loss, right? I mean, that's a bad loss for the bills to have on their resume. I will say this: they've looked awesome the last three weeks. I do power rankings every Tuesday on the Ross Tucker podcast. I have them number two. I have the Niners one. Mm. I have the Bills two. They're playing that well. The the two big differences to me are they kind of have a they kind of have a physicality to them on offense that they haven't had before. You know, it's like they got this they've got this run game where they can come downhill at you that uh, that's pretty impressive. So I like that part of it for sure. Um, and then the other thing is their defense. Tom McDermott's calling the defense. I feel like their personnel is better over there with having Micah Hyde back at safety and this Terrell Bernard kid at linebacker instead of Edmonds. I think that's a big part of it for sure for me. And so I, I think I think they're better than they've been the last couple of years and, and Based on how the postseason has gone, they need to be. Is getting Vaughn Miller back here soon, will that mitigate the loss of Trey White in the secondary? It helps, but um, we'll see if Vaughn Miller's Vaughn Miller, right? right. Uh, you know, we'll see if he's the guy that we've grown accustomed to um, at that spot. And also, man, it's still bad to lose your top corner. That, that's a really, really tough loss for the Bills, and it's really unfortunate, too, for Cordavius White because he he just missed the whole season a couple of years ago with a serious injury. I hate it. wanted to ask you about C.J. Stroud. His Texans are 2-2. Two and two. What has impressed you about his play so far this year? Man, everything. Mm. He, he knows where to go with the ball. Um, I, I mean, everything. He knows where to go with the ball. He does a terrific job with ball placement. You know, I thought he might eventually be good, but I thought he would struggle early because everything at Ohio State is just so easy. You know, the offensive line typically gives them a ton of time at Ohio State. And then, you know, when he does throw the ball, the receivers are usually awesome. You know, they're all like first-round picks, so they're wide open. He's done a really good job in muddied pockets behind a beat-up Texans offensive line of finding a way to step up in the pocket and deliver the ball. I mean, he's been awesome. It really feels like they got something there. 
Yeah, and with all the other stories kind of across the NFL, I feel like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, especially being on a two-and-two team. Is there another quarterback that you can remember recently that has come in and had this type of success and been able to turn it into, you know, success for the rest of their career? Boy, I'd have to go through the past couple years, right? Um, You know, I don't know that I remember a guy. I think Mac Jones looked pretty good his year. But Trevor Lawrence didn't look like this. I mean, um, Kenny Pickett didn't look this good last year. The other guys, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, certainly not. Not not the last few years. He looked like the best rookie quarterback we've seen in a while, as far as I can think of off the top of my head. Um, Ross, wanted to ask you, um, the New England Patriots obviously struggling, but what does this mean, this post-Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era in New England? What is that going to do to his legacy if this team really, you know, gets starts to struggle, misses the playoffs? Because they just don't obviously look like the same team. And when you take the greatest player ever off your team, and I understand all of that, but what is this going to mean for his legacy moving forward if he can't get the team back to being a Super Bowl contender? I think it's going to take a hit. <clears throat> I do. Um, I think it already has. You know, if he retired when Brady left. It would be like, he's the best head coach ever, great career. But with every year that he coaches without Brady and they are pedestrian, mediocre, it it does take a lot of the shine off of him. But he likes doing it. And he's going to coach until he breaks that record. I mean, he wants to break the, uh, he wants to break the record for sure. Is the same thing happening to Sean Payton in Denver? Um, well, I think it's too early to say that. I mean, it's only four games into his first year there. Right. And so, I mean, if that, if, if he coaches for a bunch of years and they're not good, then yeah, maybe. Well, what's, what's the optics like when he was absolutely barbecuing what happened last year in Denver, just tearing uh, Nathaniel Hackett. And then all of a sudden they look like this through four weeks of the NFL season. It's a bad look for him. And he, and he said that trying to defend the team, and he thought it was, I think, the right thing to get these guys to, to play at a high level. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not good. Um, it's, it's a bad look. Um, but, listen, they got a win last week, and now they play. Now they're able to play the, the Jets. So maybe they get back-to-back wins and start to get some momentum. Sounds like a couple superstars are inching back to a return of the field in Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor, uh, separate teams, obviously. We're expecting Jonathan Taylor to speak to the media today. What do you think we could hear from Jonathan Taylor as he speaks to the media and gets ready to return to the practice field after this chaotic summer in Indianapolis? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm really interested, though. <laughs> I want to know, like, <laughs> is he like, okay, let's bygones be bygones. I'm going to play the rest of the year, have a great year, and then whatever. Or is he going to make it clear that he still wants to be traded? I don't know. I, I, I've i seen reports that nothing's changed. I've seen reports that um, seen reports that nothing's changed. And I've seen reports that, you know, things have, things have thawed a little bit. So <clears throat> I'm excited to hear what he has to say. If you were in that media room, what would be your first question to him? Are you playing Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. 
Because really, if he says he's playing Sunday, that 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 changes a lot, right? Like if, if he says he's playing Sunday, then it's no longer that answers a lot of questions about how he feels and the trade mm. demand and whatever. I mean, if he's playing Sunday, then he's moved past it. Uh, Ross, I want to come full circle on this interview. Uh, we talked about pizza toppings off the top. Very, uh, very good stuff. Um, I want to get your opinion on dips when it comes to pizza. Are you a guy who likes to dip his crust into something? Are you a stuffed cheese crust kind of guy? What's your take on dips with pizza? Um, you know what's crazy? Yeah. To my knowledge, I've never had stuffed crust pizza in my life. Really? Gimmicky. Isn't that on. weird? Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. It's surprising even to me. Yeah. That I've never had stuffed crust pizza. I just never have. Um, and you know what? Especially, I remember being in college. We would um, a lot of times get that like garlic sauce. Yeah. Mm. With um, with Papa John's pizza. Sure. And the garlic sauce for the, you know, for the crust at the end, that was clutch. So yeah. I don't need it when I have, like, you know, the toppings and the cheese. But when you get to the straight bread-only part, yeah. the crust, it's nice, it's nice to have a dipping sauce for that, for that part of it. But, but garlic is king for that, in mm. your opinion. Well, that was the sauce that came with it. Mm-hmm. There might have been a cheese sauce, too. Right. So, in other words, I don't do this often, but now that you bring up the topic, and these are the important topics, mm-hmm. yep. I I realize that I do like having, because I don't like crust. I throw crust away now because it's empty calories. Ooh. But if there was, uh, and it's not the star of the show. The star of the show is the topping and the cheese. The bread is just the conduit. But if I had a good sauce to dip it in, I might actually eat it. Now I'm going to share one more thing with you before I let you go, and, the, and these are the these are the things we like to discuss on this show. So you obviously know who Joey Chestnut is, competitive eating goat. Yes, I do. So we've all done the uh, the move where we fold the pizza slice like a sandwich and we eat it that way if yeah. we're eating it fast. What Joey Chestnut sure. does is to eat the slices that's, faster, that's Ross. Way, way. That's the only way. It, it doesn't even have to be if you're doing it fast. It's yeah. just the proper way, in my mind, to eat a pizza. But what he does, Ross, is he folds it the opposite way so he can eat it faster to use the cheese so it can slide down his throat faster. Yeah, that kind of grosses me out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, correct. That's the correct response. Yeah. Mm. You're welcome for that little tidbit. Yeah, you just ruined it now. I was get, I was so excited about pizza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm like, uh, like the whole idea of having the cheese sliding down in my throat. Yep. I mean, that sounds like a, a real good way to choke. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying be a competitive eater. I'm just saying that's what the greats do. I, I, when you're at the top of the game of competitive eating, that's how they eat pizza fast. Wow. Well, you learn something new every day. You're welcome, Ross. There you go. You know that. You're not welcome. Getting, not getting that on any other big show. Nope. That's why they don't call you guys the tiny show for nothing. Nope. Yeah, that's correct. The miniature show. Yeah. The miniature show. <laughs> uh, Ross, terrific stuff as usual. Uh, we'll try to get some Tom's House of Pizza out to you. Thanks for this, pal. 
That would be amazing. Sounds great. See you. All right, there he is. Uh, Ross Tucker on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, CBS Sports, and Westwood One. Brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection. On the call tonight. With yes, locations sir. in Calgary and Okotoks. Four locations across the city. And like I said, you can actually go to their uh, website and you can uh, look at how they make the pizzas. Okay. Yeah. I will absolutely. Cool. I should check that out. Yeah. I would love to sample some Got Tom's House of Pizza. menu there. Well, hey, Pizza Pigo's coming up. You'll see him there for well, sure. I'd, I'd, I'd rather do that beforehand, but. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, the, you guys are on a crash course. Okay. You, know, you could advance like, the crash I, course and crash this weekend or like I'm, tonight. I'm going to watch the game tonight. Tom's House of Pizza, you listening? Mm. Hit up your boy. Mm. Jeff Blair on that Blue Jays loss. Nice grift. Yesterday. Jeff Blair straight ahead. It's the big show. Maybe we should change it. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Ryan Leslie, Flames host for Sportsnet. One more, one more preseason. Let's go. One more preseason game. Let's go. Out to Vancouver, put a pot on, 8 p.m. start on Friday night. Let's do it. It'll be streaming on the Flames website. You can also listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, but first, uh, the Jays just with a frustrating, frustrating end of their season yesterday. To talk about it, he is the host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. We say good morning to Jeff Blair. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Um, was that the most Blue Jays loss ever yesterday, Jeff? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was the most, uh, well, I mean, let me, let me, let me kind of, let me kind of back it up a bit. Um, last year's playoff loss was just kind of shocking in the way it all, it all spun apart and, you know, the col- the, the collapse against Seattle and the collision with George Springer and Bo and George getting carted off the field. I mean, all that stuff, that was just, that was just stunning. This was completely predictable in that the Jays lost two games exactly the way they lost however many games this year. I mean, Kevin Barker and I said, you know, October 3rd could have been September 3rd, could have been June 3rd, could have been April 3rd, (laughs) could have been May 3rd, you know, a 3-1 loss, 2-0 loss. Hey, same old, same old. So um, I I will say this, uh, the Jays, this is one of those rare times where I can look at what a team did in the postseason and, and said that that's, I mean, that's exactly the way they should go out in two games, <laughs> right? That's exactly the way you go out in two games straight. Uh, so God love them. They were consistent in that regard. Uh, did the twins win that series or the blue Jays beat themselves? Um, boy, that's, that's a good question. Um, twins bullpen was awfully good. Uh, Royce Lewis beat them in the first game, but I think you can make the case. I think you can, yeah, you can, yes, you can make the case. They beat themselves. Bo running into an out at home plate. Uh, Vladdy, if you know, uh, Vladdy basically taking the 10 rules of base running that have been put in place. Abner Doubleday invented the game and saying, 
Nah, you know, like I, I don't know. You guys get that commercial where yep. he and Springer are sitting. Nah, yeah. you know how Vladdy goes. Nah, <laughs> that was yep. Vladdy saying. Nah, yep. what do all those coaches know? Yep. Um, Vladdy. I mean, let, let's be clear. Vladdy spent large chunks of 2023 with his head up his ass, and um, you know that was that was reflected in that game. Um, is that the biggest? Is that maybe the biggest thing this off season? And it sounds crazy to say, but how do you fix Vlad? Because it seems like the last two years he's regressed, Jeff. Yeah, he he has. Uh, he's also regressed defensively, which not enough people talk about. Hmm. Um, but he has regressed defensively. I I, I don't know. Um, I I I don't want to sit here and keep thinking that a lot of what we saw out of Vladdy early in his career was that he was playing a chunk of games in minor league ballparks. But I'm beginning to wonder, you know, there's just, there hasn't been, there hasn't been kind of, there hasn't been that, that linear improvement in the way we've seen it with Bo, right? You can't look at Vladdy and say he's become a better player than he was when he came in. Whereas Bo, it's clearly the case. He's, He's a, he's a much better defensive player. Yeah, he made. I mean, that was a that was a, an an idiotic base running play, but um, he, he's a much better player than he was when he came in, and you you can't say that about about Vladdy. The, the the question is, how much of that is Vladdy's just incapable of becoming better, or well, and I think this is the dialogue you're starting to hear from more and more people. The blue the way the Blue Jays talk about and approach the strategy of hitting how much of that is an issue is he just is he not getting it um is it not being told to him properly uh, because you know i mean we we everybody's gone down this road it's the same thing with hockey it's the same thing with every sport it's becoming it, it's very analytics heavy and there is a lot of talk about strategy now and it's not the two guys sitting in the dugout looking at the ipad trying to come up with something it's eight or 10 voices that are in their head over the course of the day that are dropping information in their locker that are talking to them. And, um, you know, everything with this organization is collaborative. So there's, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of fingerprints at this particular crime scene. That's probably the way I would put it. Like everything you're saying, Jeff, what I'm hearing is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has to essentially mature. He has to grow up. He has to become more of an adult and start taking things a little bit more seriously to become the superstar we thought he was going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know about taking it seriously. I mean, he is what he is. You know, um, everybody says he works hard. Like, I don't think laziness or anything like that, and, and I don't think not taking stuff seriously enough. I don't think that's Vladdy's issue, but I really. I really do think that um, he needs he needs he needs another you know he needs an older Vladdy around him. He needs another big um, middle of the order hitter, um, somebody who is preferably a Latino hitter, somebody that can just basically go up to Vladdy and say, you know, all the stuff those dudes are telling you, forget it just do this. You know, there, there was, there was a point in time where Edwin Encarnacion, Victor Martinez were spending time around the team and everybody you talked to said that was, that had a, a, a tremendous effect on Vladdy. 
Because, I mean, Vladdy's the type of guy, Victor Martinez talks to you. The, the dude played for a thousand years and it was a great hitter. So you're going to listen to a guy like that. And I, and I still think that, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we underestimate the importance of having a guy on a team that dudes know what he did, right? You go, oh my, that's Victor Martinez. I was watching that guy on TV. And, you know, I still think that matters, especially for a lot of young guys. You, know, you go back to the good year Vladdy had, the first real good year. Dante Bichette was around the team all the time. And I've talked to five, I, I talked to four players during the course of the season, and they all said the same thing. They wanted Dante back. We don't know why it didn't happen. Um, mm. you know, whose idea was it? You hear that the front office uh, pissed off Dante. I mean, whatever. But the Jays need that voice. And, you know, I, I think one of the stories of the year is they got Don Mattingly as their bench coach. Did he do anything? Nope. You know, I kept hearing in spring training when I watched TV, oh, look at, you know, Don Mattingly, the guys are picking his brain, and Don Mattingly's working with this guy at first base and everything. I mean, you got one of the one of the best hitters of his time, one of the most consistent hitters of his time, right there. Did he not like? Was he not allowed to get involved? Uh, mm-hmm. Did he feel that the lines of communication weren't open? So, I mean, there's just there's a lot going on with this team, and it, a lot of it has to do with how they take information and how they how they process it, and oh. that that's going to drive fans nuts. Nothing's going to drive fans nuttier than than telling them that. We're obviously going to get to the Barrios pitching change uh, in a minute. Jeff Blair, uh, host of Blair Marker on the Sportsnet Radio Network, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Before we get to the pitching change, this thing drove me nuts too. Can you explain to me why Dalton Varsho tried to bunt for a base hit with runners in scoring position? Is that the most maddening thing you've ever seen? Uh, I think it's... Dalton, it's the only chance Dalton Varsho had of making, making contact. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't put it any other way. Um, when they, we, you know, we, we, I know I'm thinking that's, the that's, same thing, George. Believe me. Yeah, I, like I, it's. I'm not. I'm not a, that's I'm not the only way he's going to get on base if he bunts. Oh God, yeah, Jeff. You know, you know what we say in the Blair household? You know what it takes to, to play small ball? Small balls. Um, <laughs> I've been waiting to use that. That's great. Uh, that one was good. That's yeah, great. Worth it. it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, they, the Jays put together a team full of guys that can't handle the elevated fastball. Um, and that was, I mean, the whole thing with Dalton Varsha was, was simply a reflection of that. And I think in some ways the same thing with Bo and the base pads. It's just like players aren't stupid. The players know how bad the lineup is. You know, they know that Matt Chapman like you could you couldn't hide Matt Chapman. I said last night, John Schneider must have been thinking, Jesus, I wish we had a fifteenth spot in the lineup where we could put him. Like every time something <laughs> big happened, you know, here comes Matt Chapman out on the plate with his lead bat, right? And it's just I, I, I mean, you can't the lineup was so bad you could not disguise its weaknesses. Yeah. And John Schneider tried. I mean, he moved everybody around everywhere. But getting back to your point about Dalton Varsho. Uh, you know, it's he's bunted for base hits. He's the best bunter in the team, and he has bunted. For, in fairness to him, he has bunted for base hits this year. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we had Alex Anthopoulos on a couple of days or a, a week ago, 
And Alex made a point about the postseason. You don't string hits together in the points in the postseason and score runs doing that. You know how you score runs? Somebody hits a three-run home run. Mm-hmm. That's how you score runs. And he's he's absolutely right. And the Jays, I mean, the Jays didn't have anybody capable of doing that. You know, if, if think back to those two games. How many how many fly balls did you kind of did you get out of your seat and go, oh, that's close, that's close? I, I, there weren't many. No. Uh, there weren't many at all. Um, they just, yeah, they just, they, they, the, somehow the power was sucked out of that lineup. And, and that's a question maybe more than anything else. We just don't have the answer to that. Why did this team stop hitting home runs? Because that's what happened. They stopped hitting home runs and they really stopped hitting home runs at home, which is for, for a blue Jays team, for fans that remember 2015 and 2016 is just staggering. All right, Jeff. Um, the biggest uh, storyline yesterday, obviously, uh, Jose Brios. And I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I've never seen him throw the baseball like he was yesterday. Like he's that, been since he's been here. Yeah, like that cutter or fastball, whatever he was throwing to lefties, that thing off the plate and in. I don't think I've ever seen him throw it like that. He was absolutely dealing yesterday. We've seen the shots of Ross and Mark sitting in the press box, you know, drinking their bottle of water with their iPad between them. I know this was predetermined. It was obviously predetermined with what they were going to do with yeah. bringing Kikuchi in. Isn't that on them to go, you know what? He's actually throwing gas out here. Maybe we deviate from the plan just a little bit here. I have, uh, I mean, needless to say, this has been a topic of conversation. <laughs> um, my friend, Mr. Barker, has reached out to people he knows on the team. I've talked to a couple of people I know on the team and in the front office, and you're right, this was scripted, and I mean scripted. Um, Pete Walker and John Schneider were told before the game, here's what you're going to do, and it wasn't here's what we think you should do. Here's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barker knows John enough, and Barker and I were watching the game together, and I was looking at, at, at Schneider's body language, and I said, I said to Barker, I don't think he's going to take him out. I think he's going to say, screw those dudes. Um, I think he's going to leave him in. And you saw a lot of conversations with him and Pete Walker and Don Mattingly. And, I, you know, I, I mean, I put yourself in John Schneider's position. What do you do? Um, you, last year, you took a picture out too early and Kevin Gossman. You admitted you made a mistake. You said if you had to do it over again, you wouldn't do it. Now your organization's put you in a position where you have to do this. And, you know, I just looked at, all the stuff going on in that dugout. Like, the, there was a terrific shot of Bo and Vladdy in the corner of the dugout, and Vladdy is just sitting there with, you know, he's got this, this stunned expression on his face, and Bo is leaning over to him, and they're talking, and they're whispering. And, you know, Vladdy's just shaking, and I know what they were talking about. I mean, they were talking about the pitching decision. You saw when Barrios, uh, when John came out to get Barrios, you saw Bo go up behind Barrios and, and put his glove over his face and say something. I mean, and, and Whit Merrifield came out, uh, out after the game and, and, and said the same thing. He said, I, I just didn't like it. You know, it's not the reason they lost the game because they didn't score runs, but he didn't like the move. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was a moment for John Schneider. I asked somebody uh, on the coaching staff this morning, I said, what would have happened if John said no? Hmm. And the, re- the response was, that's a good question. Uh, so, and, and the unfortunate thing, guys, is, you know, we won't, 
uh, we won't get a chance to interview the dudes who were involved in that decision-making process. You know, the faceless, nameless guys in the offices, we'll, we won't get to interview them. And at the end of the year, it'll be Ross Atkins up front and Mark Shapiro up front talking about process. I guarantee you, you can play process bingo. I mean, or you can do tequila shots every time you hear the word process. Uh, we'll be lookered up within the first five minutes of that news conference. Um, and, you know, and Schneider will come out and say all the right things. And uh, we, at the end of the day, you know, the people who had a hand in this decision-making process, who we won't get a chance to talk to them. And that's, that's just the way baseball's gone now. And I've been kind of, I haven't been all that anti-analytics because I've seen it work. It's the reason the Rays are so good. But, you know, the Yankees spend more money than anybody else in analytics. And it killed them this year. And Aaron Judge has said it killed them this year. And now you got the Blue Jays issue. So I really think you're going to see, I see, I have this idea and, and Rob Manfred has kind of talked about this. And usually when Rob Manfred says something, something ends up happening to address it. He made a, uh, he, he made a comment earlier this year at a, at a sports management conference and subsequently on an interview, I think he did an ESPN where he talked about, look, we do have an issue with analytics in our game. It's um, it's taken some of the life out of it. Uh, there's nothing more boring than run prevention, and that's what teams are focused on right now. And I bounced an idea off a guy in his office. Formula One puts a cap on how much money you can spend on R&D. And I got this idea that you may see Rob Manfred tell teams that you got to cap how much money you're spending in what they call research and development. We're going to restrict the number of people that can be involved in this process. And we're going to hit you with a big fine if mm. we find that you're circumventing it. And I, I've had this idea that he, they may end up going down that road and that wouldn't surprise me entirely uh, because they do realize that it's, it, it is sucking the life out of the, uh, out of the game, right? The more coaches you have involved in something, the worse the product is. It's just the way it is. Um, Jeff, what I can't, I, I can't wrap my head around this and, and I get the whole analytics thing and I get it. And, and, but, Bringing in a guy in like Kikuchi, he's not used to that situation. Like yep. coming on with a guy on base, he's a starting pitcher. He's not used yep. to coming out of the pen. You have lefty specialists in your bullpen. That's the part I don't understand. If it was to start an inning, I could maybe take that a little easier because of the lefty bats coming up for the Twins. But coupled with how Barrios was pitching and putting a guy in a situation where he's not used to coming in, the Twins scoring those two runs in that inning was the most predictable thing ever. Yeah, I the you know the only answer I got is that because of the uh, three batter minimum rule you were going to be putting in a guy who was going to have to face, like you're going to have to face a right-handed hitter along, along the way. And they were more comfortable with Kikuchi facing right-handers in that situation than they were with Yenesis Cabrera or Tim Meza. I kind of buy that, but <laughs> I just, you know, Trying to force the hand of another manager in the fourth or fifth inning of a two-run game, uh, to me, just seems silly. <laughs> um, it, it's, you know, first of all, your issue is you're not scoring runs. Uh, and, and if you're not scoring runs, what do you have to do? I think you try to keep, try to keep the other team off the score sheet as much as possible. And you have to ask yourself, 
who gave you a better chance last night? Jose Barrios or you say Kikuchi? If you can honestly look me in the eye and say, man on first base after a walk, and it was Royce Lewis, I might as well have intentionally walked him. I don't think anybody would have had a problem with that. In that situation, who would you rather have? A deal in Jose Barrios who's only thrown 47 pitches, who, by the way, is pitching against his former team in a ballpark where he is really good. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's won more games in that ballpark than any other pitcher. Pretty damn close. Uh, who, who would you rather have? And, and the other aspect of this that I find really maddening and I think might be long-term, maybe the, the just the, the biggest issue to come out of this is you signed this guy to a seven-year contract to be the mainstay of your rotation. Like As good as Gossman and Bassett have been this year, um, Jose Barrios is a dude who's never gone in the IL. He is, a, you know, he's a stud. He's a great athlete, all that stuff. You signed this guy to be the mainstay of your pitching staff you didn't use him in the playoffs last year, if you remember. He didn't start against uh, against Seattle, and you're doing this to him. And then you're going to say, "Oh, by the way, we, you know, we're going to count on you for the next four years." I, I mean, mm. man, oh man, that's a that's got to be a tough sell. That has to be a tough sell, and that's something that hasn't hasn't been talked about enough here. Is just what that what that said to Jose Barrios, you know, and if you saw the shots of Jose Barrios while the twins were celebrating on the field, I mean, those are his boys. Those are his boys. He came up with all those guys out there. They were in the minor leagues together. They rode all those horrible bus trips and they're out there celebrating. And Jose Barrios is sitting there thinking, I just pitched my ass off. Maybe one of the best starts I've had in my career. And they took me out and I didn't even get 50 pitches in. Uh, like that is that's just such a that's such a tough look. I mean, leaving all the analytics and everything aside, that has to be for a professional athlete. That's got to be just a, a, a gut punch, and and that's one of the issues I have with the with the reliance on analytics. Is I think it's in a lot of cases it's a bunch of guys who never have to look. You know, they'll have never have to look Jose Barrios in the eye and say, "Hey, we were the reason you came out." And, and and that's the thing about this decision that I think is really, really frustrating to a lot of sports fans and a lot of Jays fans. Uh, I, I know we're, we're up against it here, Jeff, but I have to ask you before I let you go, what does this offseason look like? Do you do whatever you got to oh. do necessary to grab a Juan Soto? Like, what does this offseason look like for the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they, you know, you've, unless there's no indication ownership's going to cut the payroll. You're losing, I think we did the math yesterday, you're losing about $58 million right off the top with Ryu going and Chapman going. And, you know, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call about Shohei Otani. Uh, that's not going to happen, but you're going <laughs> to at least kick the tires on Shohei Otani. And the free agent market isn't that good. I think what you're going to have to do is, you know, you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to look at your team and go, like, what can we trade here? And, you you know, Flatty's a free agent in two years. I mean, you got to have an uncomfortable conversation uh, about about where this team goes. And it's pretty clear, I think, Vladdy's not going to sign long term. And if that doesn't uh, if that doesn't come about, you've got to have an uncomfortable conversation and 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 sit down and look at some home truths because 
team's not good enough right now. And um, I don't think Bo, I don't know if Bo's got another level. This is a pretty good level to be a dude who's potentially going to win a batting title every year and play decent defense as a shortstop. That's a pretty good level. I don't know where the improvement comes internally. So they may end up in a position where they've got to go out and swing for the fences or make a deal where they essentially assume somebody's bad contract in order to get a good young player. And uh, it, this is this is not an easy it's not an easy off season to be uh, to be addressing you know core issues. It's not an easy off season to be looking for a cleanup hitter. But that's exactly where the Jays are. Terrific stuff, Jeff Blair, host of the uh, Blair and Barker Show on the Sportsnet Radio and Television Network. Jeff, always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy this uh, next few days or so on the postmortem of the Blue Jays. Oh, Thanks for this. Be great. Can't wait for the Leaf season. Hey, yeah, what there... could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, See Jeff. You boys. There he is, Take care. Jeff Blair on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He's so good. Yeah, so good. Uh, calling uh, Matt Chapman's lead bat was a uh, really highlight. Um, and what did he say about small balls? Oh, that was terrific too. You know what it takes to oh, play he's still there. small ball? Yeah. Small yeah. balls. Yeah, okay, yeah. True. Yep. Uh Ryan Leslie wait, next. <laughs> wait, there was another one from that too, wasn't there? Yeah. Something else there, GVP? Uh, Let's be clear. Whitey spent large chunks of twenty twenty three with his head up his ass. Yeah, oh, yeah, he did. There was that too. Yeah, there's yeah. that okay, too. Okay, good. Uh, that's what I'm yeah, talking if about. You could just make sure that you can put those in my folder forever. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh Ryan Leslie on the Flames next. It's the big show. Rosic and Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan.